Okay, do you want any more reverb on my voice? No? I could put more on, it'd be more soothing. And, hey. Security. That's the outtakes. All right. How is everyone this week? Good, Really good. Everyone had a good week? Yes, thank you. Um, I had an interesting week, and Anthony and I had an interesting week. We, um, we hit to, went to the streets and went and talked to a lot of people about Jesus. And uh, I reckon, Anthony, you must have at least eight to ten people. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. And then when we parted, we said, before we get to our car, we've got to talk to at least one more person before we get to the car. So we did that too, didn't we? Where'd you go? Well, we went into Gouja Street again. Um, and uh, it, it's amazing within, like, uh, ten conversations, the, the cross-section of community you see from, you know, totally atheist to very, very angry <laughs> and aggressive and I don't want anything to do with as soon as they hear you mention God, to the other end of the spectrum where you actually meet Christians and a lot of them don't go to church and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, and uh, there, there's and quite a few really, really good ones, isn't there, Anthony, where you, you can sort of get somewhere with them and, and help take them from where, we, from where they're at to a little bit closer to at least believing in Jesus. Yeah. Um, Conversations turn very interesting and intense sometimes. <laughs> and intense, yeah, because yeah, they got their... Their beefs with God, you know, people have beefs with God. They got, and and it's amazing. It's not until you get out in the street and start talking to people that you realise just where people are at and how how hard some people can be against God. And and that you know, some in in their minds it's justifiable and it can be explained and God will explain it to them. And sometimes I'm I'm lost for words. Are you lost for words? You know, how do you explain uh, some things? Yeah. Yeah. Um, but anyway, we, uh, Anthony and I had a really good time. Then the next day I went out again and I went down to Light Square. And walked through Light Square and then walked around past the TAFE, um, up Hindley Street. I walked up Hindley Street with a guy from South Korea and um, witnessed to him and he was hard against God. And, um, and that was an interesting conversation. Then I walked down this, like a food sort of street, just off Hindley Street. And here's a guy named Ash and um, had a chat with him. And he, uh, by the end of the conversation, it was a great, one of those great conversations where you just think, wow he wasn't a believer in God at the beginning of the conversation at the end of the conversation he's going you know what you're right I've got to look into these things truth does matter to me and uh, so that was as mm. exciting to hear that and um, he says so are you guys where you meet mm. you know so um, it's great to hear that when you get someone uh, further along towards God mm. uh, we, we see it as um, sowing into the kingdom don't we Anthony you know just Simply, you, you don't expect to go out there. My, my attitude is I'm not expecting someone to get saved. I pray that someone will, but that's not my objective. My objective is to actually help people get closer to God. You know, that um, pre-salvation pre, uh, thing, you know, that, that period of their life where they, people speak into their life over a progression and, and eventually, you know, mm. I plant someone else waters, that yeah. sort of concept. Did you say it's called pre-convenient um, grace? I think it's pre-convenient grace, yeah. Which is the story of people's conversion. And we like to, you know, going out on the street, You some, um, in many respects, you will play a part in that if that person gets saved. What you have said in that person's life, if five years down the track they get saved, that'll be part of the steps that, that get along there. And Anthony, did you find... Uh, we did it pretty um, unassumingly, you know, yeah, discreetly. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, and it didn't feel like we were out there like with a big, you know, banner or anything. No, no, <laughs> we, we sort of split. Like Rob and I split up because usually when people have two people, yeah. one person gets kind of intimidating. Yeah. So yeah. We sort of split up and, and it seems like. And you're quite big people, yeah. So <laughs> yeah, we're two big fellows. <laughs> we're to us. One's enough. But I remember I looked around. I just talked to this atheist guy who gave me a bit of a grilling and. I looked around and there's Anthony ministering to someone, uh, some a woman for about um, I don't know ten minutes, yeah. and I'm going, go Anthony, that's awesome. Yeah, but was, was your heart thumping before you started? It was. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> As you get into conversations with people, it's just so much. Um, you just really get to know people, and, yeah. and you, you sort of automatically know that you love them and you want to tell them the mm. truth. You want mm. to give them the truth, really. So, yeah. And then, uh, just, Did you find it easy? Yeah, it eventually yeah. got easier, yeah. yeah. And then all of a sudden you just get someone that just doesn't want to hear you and, and you're like, uh, and it breaks your heart a little bit. Yeah, and it's like, yeah. You know, just don't let it... Um, no. Yeah, don't no, let no, it. No, so. no. 
it discourages you. It's their just choice. Just keep going. Yeah, just keep going. Talk to the next person, then you get a good feeling. Yeah, you're back on again. But um, yeah, it's it's worthwhile doing. If you want to come out with us, um, let me know because I'd love to take some more of you out there just to talk to people, and it's it's really really easy. I was walking down the street, and I just finished talking to a guy who was from the Baha'i faith. And as I'm walking away from him, this South Korean fellow that I was telling you about came up beside me and then we walked down Hindley Street together and I was witnessing to him and just, you know, and as soon as I said, does God exist to him, he laughed and I thought, okay. Um, he's obviously um, an atheist, and which would have been, you know. Um, I think South Korea's got a large Christian population and a large... Probably anti-Christian population, as most countries. Yeah, similar to here, I would have thought. Yeah, similar here. So, anyway, so that was good, wasn't it? And it, it does, it leaves you, you know, feeling really good afterwards. Um, it does drain you as well. I get, I find it after an hour or so, I'm pretty, pretty drained. Yeah, an hour or two, and yeah, you've used your energy up. Anyway, this sermon is called "What Is the Will of God?" Do you think that's a good question? Why do you think that's a good question? Anyone? Because of Matthew seven twenty one. Because of Matthew seven twenty one. <laughs> Thanks. Just ruined it for me. That was a surprise. But you've you've all heard me uh, speak about Matthew seven twenty one. Where's your Bible? I, no, no, mine's in the bag in the esc- All right. So Matthew seven twenty one, seven twenty one, and it says this: Not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only he who does the will will of my Father who is in heaven. So not everyone who gets into heaven, or not not everyone who says, Lord, Lord, will get into heaven. Not everyone who confesses that uh, Jesus is God or Jesus is Lord uh, will get into heaven. But it's only he who does the will. Now, before we go any further, did I make that up? I didn't. I need to clarify this because um, we need to, when we go through scripture, we've got to be very careful that we read exactly what it says and get it into perspective. Only he who does the will of the Father. So if you don't do the will of the Father, you won't go to heaven. How does that affect you? Yeah? It's pretty clear. It's pretty clear. You won't go to heaven unless you do the will of the Father. Is that what I can infer from that? Is that what it's telling us? So only those that do the will. Now this is key and it's paramount to the Christian faith. And it's the, the, the key to the whole Christian faith. Because if you live according to the will of God, then you fulfill your life's purpose. If you don't live according to the will of God, you don't fulfill your life's purpose. We're not born here to become millionaires. We're not born here to... Um, you know, to get into our own lives and our own hobbies and our own obsessive things that we think is important to us. That's not what life's about. But isn't the modern culture teach you that that's what life's all about? Mm-hmm. And who knows, as Christians, it's easy to fall into that. Mm-hmm. As Christians, we fall into the modern culture because it's easy, isn't it? Yep. How easy is it to sit down on a, on a Friday night and just turn on the TV? You know, some people, I think the average person watches about four to five hours a day or something. Yeah. TV. Or more. Or more. I reckon I've heard seven. Yeah, yeah. Look, I, I've got nothing against watching a little bit, you know, watch, spend an hour in front of the TV, because sometimes it, it's good to unwind. Yeah. Um, and you just, you need, sometimes you need it, because the day's pretty intense. So I'm not saying don't watch TV. <laughs> Careful what you watch, though. But at the same time, can TV become an addiction? To where you're just watching TV all the time. Mm. And how can you do the will of God if you're consumed with the TV? Or if you're consumed with, you know, going out all the time? Or if you're consumed with just catching up with friends? Or, you know, having coffees all the time with your mates? Or, you know what I mean? And if that's what becomes your, con- your consuming life, then the will of God, you know, doesn't even, doesn't even enter into the factor if that's the right way of saying it. doesn't even factor in. That's yeah. the, <laughs> into the, into the factor. Yeah. doesn't even factor in. Who knows you can go a whole week and not ask yourself, what is the will of God for me this week? Can you do that? Probably, yeah. yeah. So it's really important that we look at this. And that this is what God's been speaking to me about, is what is his will? What is his will for me? What is his will for the church? And, and so on. So that's Matthew 7.21. And 1 John, let's go to 1 John. 2.17 on John 2.17 and it says this 
The world and its desires pass away. So this world and everything related to this world and everything you're interested in in this world, the Bible says what? It's going to pass away. But the man who does the will of God, what? Lives forever. I put those two scriptures together. Because if you do the will of God, you live forever. And Jesus actually confirms that when he says only he who does the will of the Father will enter in to eternal life. So these scriptures go side by side. But the world and its desires pass away. Who knows we can spend our lives looking in and obsessed with the world and its desires. We're obsessing with things that are going to pass away. You know? Uh, Like I was saying before, Anthony and I went out and witnessed a little bit. We gave up probably an hour and a half, I think, together. Um, We we witnessed for about an hour and a half. The next day I went out and I only had one hour. I had to park over the one-hour car park, which put even more pressure on me. (laughs) And um, I went around and I came back right on the knocker of one hour. And as I'm walking near the car, I thought, I looked at the clock, I had five minutes, one more person. And then there was an Asian girl walking towards me. And so I witnessed to her just before I got to the car. It's so easy to do it. But you know what? In that hour and a half, in that hour, I was doing the will of God in that moment. But I can say this, a lot of everything else I did in the week was not according to the will of God. Now, I'm not saying we've got to go out and witness 24 hours a day because you'd you'd be superhuman to do it for a start because it's very tiring. But knowing the will of God, praying, reading the scriptures, being concerned for the kingdom of heaven, being concerned for men and women who are dying in their sin. That's that's what it is. Now, you've still got to work. You've still got to do all those things. But we're going to find out a little bit more about the will of God because the will of God is all-encompassing. It changes who you are, and you've got to change who you are to live in accordance with the will of God. Because it's not just what we do, it's what we are inside as well. So let's have a little bit more of a look. Firstly, the will of God is divided into two areas. God's sovereign will, his decrees, and God's will for the Christian, his commands. In relation to his decrees, it's an official order issued by a legal authority. An official order. So God has official orders that he's decreed uh, upon man and upon even upon his son Jesus. Let's turn to Matthew 26, 39. You're all there. And it says, Going a little farther, he fell with his face to the ground and prayed, My father, if it is possible, may this cup be taken from me, yet not as I will, but as you will. So where was he when he prayed that? In the Garden of Gethsemane. And he was sweating drops of blood, wasn't he? He was in the anguish beyond our understanding. And he was about to lay his life down for each and every one of us. You know what? You know what? And this is what the church needs. The church needs to see Jesus in the Garden of Gethsemane. We need to get a vision of Jesus in the Garden, sweating blood for us. And we, we need to get a picture of what he sees in our mind. In his mind, sorry. We've got to be able to see that he is looking at you. He's looking at each and every one of you as he's sweating blood for you. And as he's taken the beatings, he's looking at you and he's going, I'm doing this for you. Because who knows you can yawn at Christian things after you've been a Christian for a while. Who knows Christian things can get really boring. Yeah. Who knows, we can take it for granted that we're Christian. We can take it for granted that Jesus died on a cross for us. And we can just about, you know, go, do I have to hear this again? Do we have to do communion today? You're messaging, that was a great message too, Andy. Um, Jesus died for us. And he died for each and every one of you. In, for you, and if he had, and as we've heard many, many times, and, and but the fact is, it's true. If he had to come here, if, if his blood didn't atone for one of you, he would come back and do it all again just for you, just for you and you alone. So Jesus looked in his infinities, in his God consciousness. He looked ahead and he saw you, and he was on that cross for you. And when he asked, "Can this cup pass? Can this cup be taken from me?" It was probably, in a sense, a vain request coming from God. And he said, yet not my will, but 
yours be done. So he went ahead with it. You know? Who, if, if you had a friend and, and that friend had saved you from getting hit by a train and then suffered the most terrible, you know, um, accident himself, but you were fine, and you're sitting next to that friend and he's, he's all, you know, banged up from it, how thankful would you be? Wouldn't you embrace that friend and say, mate, you're the best friend any man could possibly ever have. You've just done so much. I'm, I'm eternally indebted to you. You know, we're eternally, eternally indebted to Christ. And that's got to move us. But you know what? He didn't just die for us, did he? He died for the whole world. He died for the sins of the whole world. And I believe, unlike Calvinism, I believe that anyone who receives Jesus with all their heart and are prepared to turn and live according to the will of God, living according to the will of God. That's what it is. It's not, and that's what, why we have to disciple one another because we've got to make sure that we keep each and every one of us, we've all got to disciple each other so we keep each other honest in the eyes of God. That's what the church is for. So people who say, I don't need church, I don't need to go to church. I had someone online just recently say, God told me I don't have to go to church. I can just be a Christian at home. I'm like, really? Isn't Christianity a community event? Isn't it that we all depend on each other? That we all help each other through? We, we side up towards one another, you know? You know, if you're, if you're in the desert and you're trying to get through the desert, it's easier with a group of people than by yourself. You know, because when you fall over, they pick you up. If you fell over without them there, then you'll probably not get up. You know, and then you encourage each other with your words, you know, and you can get through. You can get through a hard place. You can get through a hard life. Who knows friends are so important in this life? Yeah, do you need your friends? Good friends? There's some friends you don't want, you don't need. But there's friends that you count on. There's friends that you need. And the church is meant to be that for each other. So Matthew 26, 39, may this cup pass, but not my will, but yours be done. The plan of God, Acts 4.27. Let's have a quick look at that as well. 27, and it says this. Indeed, Herod and Pontius Pilate met together with the Gentiles and the people of Israel in this city to conspire against your holy servant Jesus, whom you anointed. They did what your power and will had decided beforehand should happen. They did what his will. So even though they were conspiring, even though they were doing evil, it was meant to happen. It was God's sovereign will, wasn't it? He decreed it to happen. Let's go to Isaiah 53.10. If you ever speak to a Jew who doesn't believe Jesus is the Messiah, take him straight to Isaiah 53. It's the best place to um, show a Jew that their own scriptures, their Old Testament scriptures, their prophet Isaiah spoke of Jesus. Because when you read this, it can't be anybody else. But we're just going to read 53.10. And it says this. Yet it was the Lord's will to crush him. Whose will was it? The Lord's will to crush Jesus Christ. See, what Jesus did for us was decreed. It had to happen. Mm. And cause him to suffer. And though the Lord makes his life a guilt offering, he will see his offspring and prolong his days, and the will of the Lord will prosper in his hand. See, if Jesus didn't die for us, I don't think the earth would be here any longer. I don't think mankind would have gone on for much longer at all. I think the end would have come 2,000 years ago. But just at the right time, while men were still bound in their sin, Jesus came and he saved them. Just at the right time. He came in that opening because God was fed up with mankind and Jesus had to come in and atone or else God's wrath would have been poured out. That's what I believe. It doesn't necessarily say that his wrath was going to get poured out on that generation, but if there's a reason why it says that just at the right time, Jesus came. So before the world's wiped out, Jesus Christ will return again. Yes. He will return again. Matthew 10, 29. It's Jesus speaking. He says, Are not two sparrows sold for a penny, yet not one of them will fall to the ground apart from the will of your Father? Not even sparrows fall to the ground without it being according to the will of the Father. Decreed. Sorry, it's decreed. Yeah. Everything that lives and dies on this planet is decreed by the Father. Nothing escapes his notice. He knows when you're going to be born. He knows when you're going to die. 
and he knows everything about everything when everything's going to come to an end. I heard while I was talking to one lady one day, just, she was a Christian, yet she did not believe that God knows the end from the beginning. And I said, I'm pretty sure it says that in Scripture. <laughs> but she can't understand how, how can someone know what's going to happen before we've lived it? You know? It's, 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 it is an amazing thing, because we can't know what we're about to do like in a week's time. We don't know where we're going to be. But God knows already. He's seen the end from the beginning. Which is why he can prophesy about the end from the beginning. So nothing escapes his notice. Not even a sparrow. Not even a little worm. Not even a centipede that you accidentally step on. God knew that that was going to happen. And those poor ants that we tend to crush in the thousands. I've got this path leading to the back of my house and there's always ants there. And I always end up stepping on them. I try to skip over them but... There's so many of them, you've sort of got to reduce their number, depopulation. Because <laughs> there's too many of them. So the prophetic elements of Scripture are decreed and will take place. Who knows that the book of Revelation cannot be changed? We can't add to it, we can't subtract to it. It will happen and there is no other way it's going to happen. When? We're not sure yet. But I think it's the time is closing in. Who, who, who thinks that? Who thinks we're living closer to the end? And ever. Well, with every day that passes, we're one day closer, aren't we? So we can't help but be closer. <laughs> Thy will be done, Matthew 6, 9 to 10. This then is how you should pray. And this is the Lord's Prayer. Some people think it should be called the Disciples' Prayer. It's the prayer that disciples should pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Your kingdom come, your will be done. So when you pray that prayer, you're praying God's will be done. Yeah. You know, some people, I remember, you know, people would say, could you pray for this person and um, for them to be healed? And I'll say, yes, yes, and I'll pray that God's will be done. Oh, no, no, no don't pray for God's will to be done. Yeah. Pray that they get healed. Because they're worried that God might not want them healed. So, we, which is, as a Christian, should we do that? You know, we should pray according to the will of God, that will yeah. God's will be done. But God wants everyone healed, but sometimes if it's decreed that that person is going to move on from this life at that time, we can't change it. It's God's sovereign will. So you've got to keep God's sovereign will in mind when we're praying for healing. Always pray that God will heal, because if it's God's will, they will be healed. But we can't also ignore God's sovereign will. All right, this is God's will for the Christian. So this is now speaking directly to you. Acts 17.30 In the past God overlooked such ignorance, but now he commands all people everywhere to repent. He commands them, all men, everywhere to repent. Is repentance important? Mm-hmm. Yep, it's absolutely important. Mm-hmm. Is And I've, I've said this, but I keep on telling you these things because I want you to really understand because when you're when you're listening to people like Joseph Prince and Joseph Prince I think is probably brought in a doctrine which has corrupted the church like no other man and he's corrupted the biggest churches in the world with a hyper grace teaching which he tells people they should not repent. If you repent you're insulting an almighty God. What did Jesus come preaching? He came preaching repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. John the Baptist came preaching it. The disciples were told to go and preach it. And Paul remarks that that's what his main message was. The theme of the whole New Testament was repent for the kingdom of heaven is near. And he commands, he commands all people everywhere to repent. What is repentance? It means turning away from sin, sinful lifestyles. Turning away, turning your back on it and walking in the other direction. And why wouldn't God want men to repent? And so when you're getting this teaching out there where they're teaching you the opposite, don't repent. What they're doing is they're condemning men. And they're teaching another gospel other than what Paul preached. And therefore, the Bible says in Galatians 1.8, they will be eternally condemned for preaching another gospel that's not the gospel. So you've got to, we've got to open our eyes. I keep on teaching this stuff in this church so that when we're looking at these hyper-grace teachers that teach grace as a cover-all, be very, very careful. Very, very careful. Your eternal life can be in jeopardy if you take that on. 1 Thessalonians 4, 3 to 8. Let's go there. 1 Thessalonians 
Thessalonians 4, 3 to 8, and it says this. And it says, It is God's will, again, God's will, that you should be sanctified. What does your version say, Andy? For this is the will of God, your sanctification. Your sanctification. Anyone got a different translation? Okay, so it's not my eyes playing tricks on me. It is God's will that you should be sanctified. What's sanctified? Holy. Made holy. Yeah, a process of holiness. So it is when Jesus says only those who come in to get into the kingdom of heaven is those who do the will of the Father. What he's saying is God's will is that you be holy. So only the holy get into the kingdom of heaven. That's interesting. That's a big teaching that conflicts with so much teaching out there today. And because there's so much teaching out there today um, that teaches to the conflict, I'm, I'm the odd one out, and there's a few like me that are odd ones out. I was just talking to a pastor during the week of a church not far from here, and they teach holiness. They teach it because the scripture so clearly says it. And he says, and I said, how's the church growing? He says, but it's not. Hmm. We're, we're preaching a message that's keeping us small. You know, I know uh, we, we on a good day we'll have 30, maybe 40 people here, and that's because so few want to hear a message that calls you to holiness, that calls you to live a sanctified life in Christ. And why is that? Because when people start listening to that sort of message, they start going through all the things that they're going to have to give up. I can't do that, I can't do that, I can't do that, I can't do this with my friends, I can't watch this, I can't do that. Can't hang out with this person because they corrupt me, you know. But I enjoy all these things. So Christians go, no, 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 no. I'll go with Joseph Prince, thanks. And I'm bringing up his name because I want to make it very clear that these big churches are hosting a man who's corrupting Christianity. And I was just watching an interview. There's so many videos you can watch online. There's an interview with him, and the interviewer says, um, So honored to meet you. <laughs> He says, your teaching has trickled down through the entire body of Christ. And when he said that, I went, because oh. he preaches in the biggest churches in the world. And you know what Joseph Prince said? He says, I'm so glad that I have my, my, father, uh, my father in heaven and my mother Grace. He called Grace his mother. I want to tell you personally, and I know I speak on behalf of hundreds if not thousands of pastors, the influence of your teaching is trickling down uh, throughout the whole body of Christ and making an incredible impact. And it's one thing to have, you know, God gather the people together. Yeah. It's another thing to have the same spirit, the Benjamin generation, yeah. having the same mother. We have the same Heavenly Father and the same mother, Grace. Amen. And our mother is not law. Mother, he brought the word mother in, and you can watch it, it's all online. It's, it, this teaching is nearly Catholicism in essence, you know, that suddenly the grace, uh, that grace is termed a person, a mother. Grace is not a person, grace is the ability to live a holy life. That's what grace is. When you get under grace, he anoints you to live a holy life by grace. Sure, we could say, wouldn't call it the mother grace, you could say that the Holy Spirit empowers you. With his grace. But his grace itself is not a person. Do you know what I mean? That's not a mother. <laughs> it's not, definitely not a mother. Definitely not Mother Grace. Um, so we have to look at these things. And, and please do some research. Check me out. Just, just Google it. Exposés on Joseph Prince. And your, your jaw's going to hit the ground when you hear what he's saying. And you see the churches he's preaching in. Some of the biggest churches in the world. Hillsong. How big is Hillsong? Anyone know the numbers? It's one massive. It's as big as the entertainment centre, isn't it? It's massive. And he's there teaching them. And he teaches that you should not repent. You should not repent. He's telling them. And they're applauding him. And then I'm meeting people who are now Christians, but now they're drunks again. They're alcoholics again. They're drinking. Every time I talk to them, they're alcohol. Oh, they're, they're drunk. And they're saying, I've been liberated by Joseph Prince. Have you ever heard of Joseph Prince teaching? I said, yes. And I looked at him and I said, I can see you've been liberated. I can see you've been inebriated. Yeah. So, is that scary, guys? 
Is that scary? Where where so many Christians are receiving it and welcoming it, welcoming that teaching into their life. Some of the most corrupt. I know a few other Christians and, and a few which um, living in adulterous relationships and all this sort of stuff, and they love Joseph Prince and they love Joel Osteen. They they're good Christians that can don't feel guilty for living this licentiate life that they live because they're under that teaching. But that's not going to transform us, is it? If you don't have to repent, how can you get transformed? Because repentance doesn't just mean sorry. Repentance means turning from and living according to the will of God. Living in holiness. So how can you live according to the will of God if you don't repent? So I think it's a teaching that comes straight from Satan. 1 Thessalonians 4.3 and and says, it is God's will that you should be sanctified, that you should avoid what? Sexual immorality. Mm-hmm. And sexual immorality has many um, meanings in the Greek. Uh, that each of you should learn to control his own body in a way that is holy and honourable, not impassionate lust like the heathen who do not know God. And in this banner, no one should wrong his brother or take advantage of him, so we shouldn't rip people off especially our own brothers and sisters, the Lord will punish men for all such sins as we've already told you and warned you. For God did not call us to be what? Impure. Impure, but to live a holy life. life. Is that God's will? He didn't call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, he who rejects this instruction does not reject man, but God who gives you his Holy Spirit. 5.16. Turn over to chapter 5, verse 16. And it says, be joyful always. And this is all in, in accordance with the will of God. It says, be joyful always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. So let's go over that again. Be joyful always. Always. That's God's will, that you be joyful always. So when you don't feel that good, when you don't feel like it, you still act like it. You live joyfully. Sure, you don't go to a funeral acting joyfully. You've got to be appropriate to the situation. But you don't come into a joyful community acting like you're at a funeral. You're at a funeral. <laughs> You've got to be appropriate. And that will be a sign to unbelievers that Christ is truly in you. That's, that's an important thing. So be joyful always. Pray. This is a hard one. Pray continually. And I believe that the disciples of old achieve that because they're always witnessing and when you're always witnessing you're always in prayer you're always asking God to do something and as you're walking away from someone Lord please touch that person while that person's talking you're asking God please open their heart open their mind to the truth you're in prayer aren't you so pray continually give thanks in all circumstances right no matter what you're picked up thrown into the into jail for believing in Jesus give thanks all circumstances don't start saying, woe is me. Just thank you, God, for this. Thank you for this opportunity now to witness the people in prison. Thank you, and I have plenty of time now to pray. Mm. For this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not put out the Spirit's fire. Do not treat prophecies with contempt. Test everything and hold on to the good. Avoid every kind of evil. You know what I believe when it says do not um, treat prophecies with contempt? When people teach prophetic scripture... When we're teaching prophetic scripture, um, if we are contemptuous about it, if we if we don't want to hear it, we don't want people to bring up the topic of prophecy because it's just all a bit weird and wonderful, or whatever. You know, that's being contemptuous with the prophecy. Because if the, if God didn't want us to know His prophecies, He wouldn't have put them in here. Mm. And guess what? A third of the Bible is prophecy. A third. That's a big slab of scripture, and uh, which. When I read that today and yesterday, I was thinking, you know what, I've got, to, I've got to get back to some prophetic elements of Scripture because we live in a very prophetic time. We live in a time where prophecies are starting to be revealed right before our very eyes. Things are happening all around us. And so I've got to get my ear back to the ground. I've got to talk to Andy a bit more about a few things. Because, uh, you know, uh, we've got to be prepared for what lay ahead. Amen. Is it wise? Yes. Yeah. It's wise to know what's happening in the world. 1 Peter 4.1 This is another part of God's will. Therefore, since Christ suffered in his body, arm yourselves also with the same attitude because he who suffered in his body is done with sin. 
Do you know that's interesting? And, and I've mentioned this, I think, once before. If you've armed yourself, sorry, if, you've, if you or arm yourselves with the attitude of being prepared to suffer, you will give up sin. You'll give up sin. Because do you, who knows that some sinful things takes a real sacrifice to break. You know? There's things that we do in life, that sinful things that we want to do. You know? One thing that I've noticed with uh, the problem with the young generation today and, 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 and is the internet. Who knows? Any mother here who's got kids will know that their kids can be on the internet nearly all the time. Yeah? Who's seen it? Put up your hand as a mother. Oh, I'm not a mother. <laughs> Matthew? <laughs> mother Matthew. <laughs> who's seen it as mothers that their kids can be on the internet way too much? Yeah? Sorry, And do you know that the problem with kids on the internet way too much? And, get this, adults. It's not just the kids, it's the adults that get on there too much as well. Is if you're going to sin, you're going to sin on, on the internet. And you get pulled away into all sorts of things. So be very, very careful. So sometimes it will take a sacrifice. You've got to say, you know what? I'm a follower of Jesus and I'm going to resist the thing that keeps pulling me into sin. And you know, the, the thing that troubles me with the internet is the amount of, you know, uh, pornography and stuff that's on there, right? Is there a lot? Anyone who's been on there for a, even a short time will notice that there's a lot and it just keeps on coming. And if, if, you, if someone's inclined to watch it, it'll keep on giving you more and more suggestions. You know, click on this, click on this, you know, and you can go down a, a road of really sinful activity, right? I'm t I, I don't know any of you, I'm not accusing, not one of you here of... of of getting into that sort of stuff, but it's it's there, and anyone who's used the internet for a while, whenever I say this, the people in, who I say it to will always agree, because they've all experienced it. Yeah? It's just there. It's there in your face. You know, I used to have an Instagram, until I just, every time I went there, and I, all the, the new requests, friend requests, whatever they are, and they come on, I, I go there and I click on it, and it's a pornography site. Then I click on the next one, it's a pornography site. But in the process of discovering it's a pornography site, I'm viewing it, right? So I'm being corrupted by the friend that just came along. Do you know what I mean? So Instagram is a shocking shocker for that. So is Twitter. Same sort of thing. And Facebook, well, I don't use Facebook much, but I've got a Facebook for our church, and I just stick my videos up, and that's about as long as I'm on there. Don't get the don't same. Don't know how to use it. The requests don't come from those websites to the church Facebook. No, no. I don't think there's any friend requests yeah, right. in it's the church one. Yeah. I've got my own private one, but I, don't, I just ignore it. Yeah. Um, so don't try to friend, friend me on Facebook. <laughs> you won't hear it. It's not because I don't like you or anything. But uh, yeah, internet is Satan's means to really corrupt the people of God. Seriously. I think that's an important point that I just made. And it, the internet is going to continue to get worse and worse and worse. However, there's fantastic stuff on the internet. Who knows that? There's some great stuff. So if you can control it and if you can you know, uh, go to the right places and know how to just dodge all that stuff and just go right directly to the right things, great. Which is what I'm trying to perfect all the time. It's just be as clean, straight through to the right information and keep away from all those other distractions. Um, and uh, then, then it's a very, very useful thing because there's incredible knowledge out there. You know, I was just, just yesterday I was watching a guy who had, um, he had a stomach ulcer. I was telling Johnny about it. Not an ulcer, sorry. He had a, a, a split in his hand. He got into a fight when he was about 18 and it split and there was a bone broken but they didn't pick it up and it got infected and it was all pussy and stuff. Anyway, they put him on a course of antibiotics and it did nothing. So they came and did this other thing where they really administered the antibiotics deep in his body sort of thing and they cleared it up. But what happened was it started to rot his stomach and his um, large intestines. And then with all the medication that kept coming, his stomach got worse, his intestines got worse, and then they were, um, were going to put him on a chemo treatment. And all from this one split in his hand, they'll teach him for fighting. Yeah. But anyway, so two years later, he is a mess. He's like 20 years old or something. And he's a, a physical wreck. He's 
thinking, um, then the doctor said, all we can do now is cut out your large intestines and you're going to have to carry a bag around for the rest of your life sort of thing. And he's only 20. And he's a fit guy, you know, but he's lost all this weight because of it. So he goes on online and starts searching out um, stuff. And he found, a, uh, found out about, I don't know why I'm bringing this up now, but found out about raw milk. Who knows a little bit about raw milk? Unpasteurised, unhomogenised. And he found out that the, the probiotics that in the raw milk, when he just was drinking it in large quantities, started to go in there and repair his stomach and repair his large intestines. And uh, six months later, he's completely healed. And he went back to his doctor and the doctor said, you're looking well? And he goes, yeah, I'm feeling fantastic. He says, so what medication are you on? And he says, I'm not taking any. And he says, what? And he freaked out. You've got to be taking medication. So my point is this. He, he went there. He was in a situation where he was about to get his large intestines cut out. And he had found that the internet provided him with the answer. Yeah. So there's great stuff out there. You can find out incredible things and more than ever. But also, just as good as it is and incredibly good, it's incredibly evil as well. And can corrupt you and pretty well strip you of being in the will of God, I believe. Especially with the amount of religious teaching out there and what you're seeing on the internet. And like I said before with Joseph Prince, and he's all over the internet. He's getting millions of views. We get, a, we get 50 views, 100 views. He's getting millions. God, please turn it around. 1 Peter, have I done 1 Peter 4, 1 to 3? All right, 1, uh, 1 Peter 2.15. So these, I just went through and looked up God's will right through the New Testament and these are the scriptures I found. For it is God's will that by doing good you should silence the ignorant talk of foolish men. Just by doing good. And that's his will. So you can shut people up if you live according to the will of God. If people talk and say bad things about you and people are you know, um, always uh, against you, do the will of God, God's going to sort that out. That you'll silence the talk of ignorant and foolish men. But do not use your freedom as a cover-up for evil. Live as servants of God. And show proper respect to everyone. Love the brotherhood of believers. So here's the will of God. Love the brotherhood of believers. Fear God. That's interesting. These hyper-grace teachers, some of them are even teaching don't fear God. Because they pull a few scriptures out of context where they're saying that you should not fear. should have no fear. I can't remember the scripture from memory. But uh, they're pulling that out of context. Does the New Testament tell us to fear God? What does Jesus say? I'll tell you who you should fear. Fear him who after the killing of the body has the power to throw you into hell. Fear him. So if you live according to the will of God, you will fear God. On Hebrews 10.35, let's just shoot over there. Hebrews 10.35 and it says, So do not throw your... Throw away your confidence. It will be rich, richly rewarded. You need to persevere so that when you have done the will of God, you will receive what he has promised. For in just a very little while, he who is coming will come and will not delay, but my righteous ones will live by faith. And if he shrinks back, I will not be pleased with him. So what's he saying? Don't shrink back from doing good. Don't shrink back from living a holy life. This life is very short. You know, I've blinked and our kids have gone from babies to adults. Just blinked. It just seems like that. And then I'll blink again and I'll be like seven years old. You know what I mean? Blink again and I'll be lying on the deathbed. And I'm about to enter in. You know, life is short. So do not give up doing good. Live this life and live it completely for God in the short time we have we're only here a short time get it right get it right while you're here and live it and, and devote yourself to Christ and you'll be richly rewarded you'll be welcomed into the kingdom of heaven and he'll be saying well done my good and faithful servant because isn't that what Christianity should be isn't that what it's meant to be if Christianity can't make a man holy what hope have we got Christians should be the holiest people on the face of the earth are we supposed to be like Christ? Yes. Was Christ holy? Yes. Well, we should be holy. There's no other way to it. There's no other way to it. And the scriptures declare over and over and over again how to know the will of God. 1 Corinthians 2.16 For who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? 
But we have the mind of Christ. We have the mind of Christ. So who has known the mind of the Lord that he may instruct him? We can't instruct God, but he can instruct us. We have the mind of Christ by the Holy Spirit. We can trust that as we seek his word, as we seek to know his word, as we pray, as we live a life in him, that he, that, that mind of Christ will be active and we'll be able to discern right from wrong and be able to live continuously according to the will of God. Let's go to Romans 12, 1-2. Some of these scriptures I just want to get through because they're really good. And it says, Therefore, I urge you, brothers, this is how to renew your mind. If you want to know how to renew your mind. I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. And then it says, Do not conform any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Do not conform, but be transformed. Then you will have you will not be a, will have a renewed mind. Obey the commands, Matthew nineteen seventeen. All right. Why do you ask me? This is Jesus. Why do you ask me about what is good? Jesus replied, "There is only one who is good. If you want to in, if you want to enter life, obey." The commandments. What's he talking about? The Ten Commandments. Mm-hmm. He's talking about obey them. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, all your mind, all your soul, all your strength. And love your neighbour as yourself. These are the greatest commandments. And all the other ones hang on those two. Mm-hmm. And so, and they're all moral. They're all moral commandments. Mm-hmm. And the, uh, I won't talk about the Sabbath right now, but there is a Sabbath command. And we're... And, uh, I believe that means we enter into the rest, the Sabbath rest of Jesus Christ, and we live in the Sabbath continuously. Hmm. Matthew twenty-eight nineteen to twenty. This is another commandment, and this is why I go and talk to people on the street. Hmm. And we'll go back to eighteen. Verse 18, it says, Then Jesus came to them and said, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything I've commanded you, and surely I'm with you always to the very end of the age. So we're to make disciples. We have to go out and try to make disciples. And uh, it's hard to make disciples in the street. But at least you can start the ball rolling for people. You know, plant the seed, get it growing in someone. Amen. Who knows not enough people talk to people about Jesus in the street. When was the last time you've been grabbed by someone in the street, just walking along? I'm pretty sure we're... There's Mormons that are out there and Jehovah's Witnesses, but yet most people know them. And they steer clear of them. But it's very rare that you'll get an evangelical Christian... Just walking around, you know, talking to people about Jesus. But they're out there. Like we know lots of churches. Our, our sister church in California, they go out about two or three times a week, big groups of them. And uh, um, and I've heard, I've talked to a few people who were telling me about their churches in Adelaide that they go out and do stuff like that. But the harvest is so large. There are so many people out there that are just not hearing the word. They're dying in their sin. And they don't get... You know, they might have had an exposure to Jehovah's Witnesses and Mormons and they've just rejected it and they watch TV and they, they follow the culture and they just want to, they don't want anything to do with it. But they need, they need us to come along and talk to them. Amen? Yeah? John 13. A new command I give you. Love one another as I have loved you. So you must love one another. And by, all, by this, all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Mm-hmm. Would you say that a command is the will of God? Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's decreed that we love one another. You know, so we have to. We have no choice but to do it. Mm-hmm. All right. I won't continue. I'll leave the rest for you guys to search out. Just take a photo of it if you want to look up those the rest of those scriptures. And... Um, Thank you, Lord. Lord, I just pray your spirit just move upon us now. Lord, we need your spirit to move in our hearts and our lives. 
Lord, we need you to, to do something in all of us. Lord Jesus, if this church is going to continue, Lord, you need to do something. If we're going to be effective for you, you need to do something in us, Lord. Help us to live according to your will. Help us, Holy Spirit, to live according to your will and not to sin before you and, and offend you and um, grieve your Holy Spirit. But help us to be a people that you would uh, that you'd be pleased with, Lord Jesus. I just pray that uh, your Spirit will just touch each and every one of us and help us, Lord, to uh, get into that place before you where you'd be pleased to, um, to use us in amazing ways, Lord. We need your help now, Lord. We need your help as Christians to live in this world. We need your help to, um, to navigate this world and get through it in the right way. So, Lord, just do something in all of us, I pray, in the precious name of Jesus. And uh, help us to uh, receive words like this today with joy and thanksgiving. Lord, I'm being obedient to preach the words you keep giving me to preach. But Lord, I'm weary from preaching it, Lord. And I ask you that you, you make a difference. You have to come and do something, Lord. Because I can see that the average Christian just doesn't like hearing a call to holiness. They get offended. They want to run. They don't want to hear it again. They'll go to somewhere where they get told how good they are. And Lord, we need a people that are prepared to, to lay it all down and to live a holy life and live a righteous life in you. And Lord, do this in me. Do this in every single one of us. And I pray that you help, help me out here, Lord. May the Spirit of God just work and do something and take this message home in every heart here so that they'll take it home with them and be be changed as they as they reflect on these words. And I pray this in the wonderful name of Jesus. Mm. Lord, be with us now and bless the uh, the fellowship time and may your spirit just move among us all. And I pray this in your holy name. Mm.